You're listening to a TVO podcast. Hi, Pippa. Hi, Karina. So we're talking about the word hustle today. And you have a side hustle. So do you. I do. (laughs) It's this podcast. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. A word bomb is our side hustle. Um, When we pitched this, you were doing your master's. I was freelance copy editing. And uh, so we did word bomb on the side. Yeah. And now we're years into it and I'm freelance audio producing and you've got a job and publishing and we still do word bomb on the side. And we're not alone in that. Millennials are often called the hustle generation. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people I know have like a side hustle or a few of them, or even more commonly, like a work life that's just made up of these piecemeal jobs, or at least they did before the pandemic. Right. (laughs) A lot of people have either lost their side jobs or they've lost their main jobs and have become more reliant on their side hustles. Yeah. We associate the word hustle now with startup culture and the gig economy and burnout and overwork. Like, basically, hustle culture is supposed to be this modern economy that's done with the 9 to 5, 40-hour work week, for better or for worse. Yeah, it's like the Elon Musk tweet, no one ever changed the world on 40 hours a week. Ugh. That... <laughs> Honestly, it, as someone who probably... Uh, and not so much anymore, but there was one time where I counted and I was like, oh, I have five jobs. Um, yeah. That tweet, like, makes my stomach clench because, like, on some on some level, I believe it to be true, I think. It's true. I've internalized it as well. Yeah. I feel like this pandemic has been a revolution for our generation because we've had to very quickly, like, decouple the idea of, like, productivity with self-worth. And I think that's been very confronting for a lot of people in our generation. Yep. (laughs) Definitely. But obviously this word didn't come from Silicon Valley. No. Um, Hustle's roots are much deeper than synergy or disruption. (laughs) Awful words. Yeah terrible. Uh, Hustle actually goes all the way back to the 17th century. It's from Middle Dutch uh, hustlen or hutzelen. I don't know if I'm saying that right, (laughs) which meant (laughs) to shake money in a cap in a game called Hustle Cap. Charming. Very cute. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so it evolved from that to mean to crowd or to push roughly, I guess, like the money is being shaken in the cap, um, Mm -hmm. I guess. And that usage is still around. Um, When you think of stuff like you you get hustled out of the door. Yeah, like the hustle and bustle of the crowd. Right, exactly. And over the next centuries... um, Meanings were added uh, to hurry or to work hard or to sell forcefully. Um, Julian Ralph, who was a writer in the 19th century, wrote a book called Our Great West in the 1890s. It was about his travels through the West. And he writes, quote, the keynote and countersign of these cities is the word hustle. We have caught it in the East, but we use it humorously, just as we once used the Southern word skedaddle. But out West, hustle is not only a serious term, it is the most serious in the language. I feel like you could be talking about the West Coast today, like Silicon Valley still takes hustle too seriously. Yeah, it's funny how it's held up. Um, And also, more than a century later, we we still think skedaddle is funny. It is. is. It's a great word. (laughs) Um, And around the turn of the century, the word had started to mean gumption. 
And that usage continues through the 20th century, most often in African-American newspapers. So in 1914, for example, there was an ad in the Chicago Defender that said that delivering the paper was, quote, an easy task for any wide-awake boy with a little hustle in him. A wide-awake boy. (laughs) (laughs) And pretty much at that same time, it was also used to refer to illegal activity. So like swindles, cons, and uh, sometimes sex work. You might say that someone is, like, running a hustle or that a sex worker is hustling for herself. In the 1950s, we also started back then to see the use of the term side hustle. Yeah, it really surprised me to find out how early the term side hustle was being used. Totally. And um, side hustle back then also is referring to both legitimate and illegal work. In the 1950s, there was another African-American paper, the Pittsburgh Courier. They wrote that, quote, The well-known Chicago scoutmaster and church official whose friends are unaware of his lucrative side hustle. Once he's away from his Boy Scouts and church cronies, he dons a colorful costume, pulls out a crystal ball, and becomes a prophet who sells numbers and gives spiritual advice to all who pay his fat fee. Oh, yeah, that really paints a picture. I feel like we have great (laughs) quotes this episode. (laughs) Great old-timey quotes. In 2017, for The Ringer, Kate Nibbs wrote that, of course, the side hustle sprung up during the Jim Crow era because the main hustle was either, like, unavailable or not sufficient. She calls the side hustle, quote, an act of economic defiance. Right, because it's like this thing you do that's not quite kosher or maybe under the table. Exactly. Isabella Rosario wrote this great piece about hustle this year for Code Switch. She writes about another way that the word was used during these years, and that was to associate blackness with laziness. Mm-hmm. She quotes Timothy Thomas Fortune, uh, who wrote in the Southwestern Christian Advocate in 1888, quote, the average colored man does not know how to hustle. So it's sort of this point that, like, the reason that black communities struggle is because they lack gumption, rather than acknowledging, like, the effects of systemic racism or segregation or redlining that are actually the culprit, right? Yeah. In his book, Knocking the Hustle, great title, Lester K. Spence writes that this myth that Black people can, like, hustle their way out of challenges of systemic racism, quote, fits the common desire we all have for some degree of control over our circumstances. Yeah, it's it's just too bad that, like, (laughs) upward mobility is a myth. (laughs) I don't know. Like. Control over our circumstances is what the American dream boils down to, of course. Like the, the, the idea that you work hard, you hustle enough, you get what you want, you rise out of your circumstances, and mm-hmm. it's all up to you. Um, but, of course, research has again and again debunked this idea and proved that your circumstances in life are mostly determined by the circumstances of your parents. Totally. A quick sidebar here. I was talking to my friend Jane about this episode, and she made a really great point about the term bootstraps. Right, like pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Yeah. So this is an idiom from the 19th century originally to mean an impossible task, because you can't physically lift yourself up off the ground by your bootstraps. (laughs) Bootstraps like being, you know, tabs or pulls on boots. I'm picturing like my blundstones. Yeah. Like you can't pull yourself up. But now we use that idiom to mean someone who's, like, self-sufficient. And in the startup world, bootstrapping means to start a business without investors, right? Without outside help. But the metaphor originally means that it is physically impossible to lift oneself up by your bootstraps. I <laughs> I had never thought about that. But yes, it is. It is impossible. I, I have a confession. I love watching Shark Tank. You know this. It's like... 
distilled late stage capitalism. It's terrible. It's a terrible show, but I I do like to watch it. This is a part of you that I'll never understand. Yeah, I know. I know. It's a it's a sickness. But anyway, uh, it's relevant to this because the sharks love to hear that someone bootstrapped their way into whatever business they made and and put only their own savings into it and didn't sell any equity at all before coming on the show, which is like ironic considering that what they're doing on Shark Tank is trying to sell equity. But yeah, it's all about rewarding this concept of hustle. Like when people say, oh, I I haven't seen my wife in years. And like, (laughs) (laughs) I've neglected my children and and remortgaged my house. And Mark Cuban will like nod and be like, yeah, like they they eat it up. I'm sweating as you're describing this. (laughs) This show is not for me. It's, it's it's a very unique kind of stressful to watch. Yeah. Uh, I will not be joining you on that one. Um, but I think this it's the same point, right? We're setting up an impossible standard as if people can get over any hurdle with a bit of hustle. And if they can't, it's them that's lacking. Right. So anyway, to bring it back to the history lesson, in these impossible circumstances, of course, Black people had to find hustles. In his 1965 autobiography, Malcolm X even wrote that, quote, everyone in Harlem needed to find some kind of hustle. He's meaning it there more in the legal sense of the word, which might mean gambling or selling stolen goods or selling drugs. Right. So now let's get into the 90s when rappers start talking about hustling in their lyrics. A lot of the time, of course, they are directly referring to dealing drugs. That's obviously Notorious B.I.G.'s Everyday Struggle, which came out in 1994 on his album Ready to Die. It's obviously not an uplifting description of the hustle. It's a lifestyle that he's been forced into, right, and he wants out of. Right. Then we see a very different depiction of the hustle through the 90s and the 2000s with Jay-Z. For example, his 1996 track called Can't Knock the Hustle says it in the name. (laughs) Jay-Z writes a lot about his history of drug dealing in his music, where he often will talk about hustling with pride. That's his song, I Just Want to Love You, Give It to Me, from 2000, featuring Pharrell. In these lyrics, it seems like he's promising that drug dealing is in his past, right? And he's on to bigger things. But whether that is dealing drugs or making music, he's still a hustler. Baby. (laughs) (laughs) Or uh, another example on You Don't Know, a track from The Blueprint of 2001 now, Jay-Z talks about hustling as a skill. It's a talent. Put something on it. I sell ice in the winter. I sell fire in hell. I am a hustler, baby. I sell water to a well. I was born to get cake, move on and switch states. There we see like he's his own boss. He's successful and he's good at it. It's a much more empowering depiction of the hustle than we saw with Notorious B.I.G. a decade earlier. Yeah, like more of a badge of pride than a grind. Absolutely. And then, of course, there's the classic... That's Rick Ross's song, Hustlin', from 2006. There we see the idea that to get ahead, you have to work constantly, 
Obviously, I just chose a few select clips to demonstrate how this word has evolved, but there are so many more examples of the use of the word hustle, and it's still used up to today in hip-hop. Yeah. So we've talked about hustle and rap, but we need to dig into hustle in the Silicon Valley sense of the word. Startup culture and the gig economy have really co-opted the word hustle, and now it's basically synonymous with millennial workaholism. So... Why, if we already had the word workaholic, do we need the word hustle to replace it? Right. I feel like workaholic is a pretty dated expression. It makes me picture, like, a man in an office uh-huh. in, like, Mad Men era. Yeah, like, pulling these long hours at his desk in the city and not going home to his wife and kids in the suburbs. Right, and it's kind of a negative word because it's a portmanteau with alcoholic, right? Like there's an unhealthiness, there's a dependence in the word. It's like you're you're craving work in kind of a destructive way. Yeah. And and yeah, I mean, I don't think it's controversial to say that overwork is bad for you. I mean, mm. obviously mm-hmm. it's bad for you. There's even a Japanese word, karoshi, which translates to overwork death, and it's used for when people just up and die at work, like have a heart attack because they've been working nonstop for days. Jeez. Yeah. That darkness in workaholic is kind of antithetical to the idea of hustle because hustle is like bright and collaborative and it's a, you know, a WeWork office flooded with natural light and there's succulents on the windowsill and exposed brick walls (laughs) and, you know, like the whole magic and appeal of hustle culture is that it's as if we're tricking ourselves into thinking that being a workaholic is actually a passion project or something that we do to self-actualize and follow our dreams. Yeah, I feel like it also has an edge because it comes from black culture. Yeah, yeah, it has that, like, coolness. Yeah, (laughs) even when it's, like, neon lights that spell, like, rise and grind. Oh, God. Or I've seen, like, born hustler on, like, a baby onesie. You haven't. Have you really? Yeah, they exist. That's terrible. (laughs) It's this kind of, like, relentless positivity. It's like this beautifully crafted ad campaign for the gig economy. Yeah, and who is the ad campaign being crafted by? It's, It's managers and CEOs and bosses. It's the people in power. Yeah. And yet our generation, to a certain extent, is like boosting the ad campaign for free by sharing it on social media, sharing a post that says like, still working at 4 a.m. Yeah, I feel like social media must be that thing that differentiates workaholism and hustle culture because workaholism is like burning the midnight oil alone and hustle is somehow about being surrounded by people, both in real life and online, and mm. broadcasting what you're doing all the time and how you're seizing the day. Yeah, and it sometimes has that like humble braggy feeling of mm-hmm. like freelancers showing how hard they're hustling. Yeah. yeah. I want to return to the idea of burnout. It's a it's a pretty obvious mechanical metaphor of like reaching the end of your fuel source or overloading a circuit board, you, you burn out. And it used to be associated more with drug use, I think, but now I think it's more closely linked to overwork. Like, that's oh, the totally. first thing that pops into people's heads. It's everywhere. I mean, millennials, as a generation, have less money saved, less stability, more debt than their parents. 
Um, many millennials graduated university or college during the 2008 financial crisis, mm-hmm. and full-time employment was becoming harder and harder to find. Yeah, n- not to mention the fact that corporate profits and cost of living were on the rise and minimum wage was stagnating. It's really no surprise that millennials feel burned out. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to talk about the difference between the words employee and contractor here. You'd think it would be easy to differentiate between the employed and the self-employed, right? Mm -hmm. But even on the Government of Canada website, rather than definitions, they have this whole list of kind of these musing questions that you have to consider to, like, arrive at a conclusion of whether you're employed or self-employed. Like what? Like, what intent did you have entering into your work arrangement? Hmm. And did your employer give you a uniform or equipment, or did you get them yourself? Or do you set your own hours? Yeah, I feel like these could all be kind of spun one way or another, depending on who's asking and who's answering. Yeah. Like, do you set your own hours is hard to pin down if you work you know, at a startup with like a foosball table, beer fridge, you come in when you want, you go with the flow or with work from home, like yeah. setting your own hours is sort of a gray area, right? Yeah. The reason why the definitions between these two words are so important, of course, is that employment status directly affects a person's entitlement to EI, employment insurance. Yeah, which is more relevant than ever. Mm-hmm. And it also changes how a worker is treated under other pieces of legislation like the Canada Pension Plan and income tax and uh, stuff like that. And the fact that there's no one super clean definition of employee and contractor is why it can be so ripe for exploitation. So we talked about the origins. We talked about the way our generation uses it. So uh, here's a question. Is it appropriation to use the word hustle. This is a tough one. I mean, strictly speaking, technically, the word wasn't invented by Black communities, but we are definitely appropriating the Black usage. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not appropriating the Middle Dutch meaning no. with, the, with the money shaking around in the cap. <laughs> it's like the association with hip-hop or drugs or like live fast, die young mentality, but applied to your like white-dominated startup industry that makes cold brew coffee or, like, yoga. Right, right. Um, Speaking of, there was literally, I found a yoga wear company called Yoga Hustle. Isn't that just, like, isn't yoga the absolute opposite of the idea of hustle? I don't know. I love it. That's powerful. (laughs) We don't have enough time in the day or in the year to really unpack that. But, um, yeah, I feel like we can get really caught up in the rebranding of hustle and not clock like what hustle was and why it started. At its root, hustle is a means of survival if it's legal or if it's not. You know, it's a way to provide for yourself or your family in an economy that was like definitely not set up for black success. And we still do have that authentic hustle today and sometimes in our generation, but it's not the affluent white startup entrepreneur You know, it's people working five jobs to get out of debt. Yeah. I feel like I'm kind of slowly starting to emerge from the hustle fog of Mm -hmm. my 20s. I'm 29 now. And while I still feel um, pretty overworked, to be honest, 
I think I'm starting to see what I'm doing a little more clearly and be yeah. like less manic about my career. Totally. Um, you know, I'm like doing puzzles and uh, cooking more, and I don't have Slack on my phone. <laughs> I should. I should. You should take Slack off your phone. <laughs> Um, what I really hope for more than anything is the return of non-monetized hobbies. Like, mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I want us to reach this point where there are things that we do for enjoyment's sake, and it doesn't even cross anyone's mind once to suggest that you turn it into an Etsy shop or write a blog post about it or make a podcast. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. I hear that. I feel like quarantine has been a real reckoning for our generation with like our own senses of internalized capitalism as people have been slowing down and doing yeah. things that are non-monetized. Not that these people want to be doing things that are non-monetized, obviously. No, to be clear, it's the worst. Absolutely. But, but yeah, it is like you can't deny that sort of putting the brakes on the economy for a while it, it does give you, like, a second to be like, what am I doing? Re like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. And why? We should make a pact to keep these, like, few things that we have in our life completely unlucrative and unproductive. And in this way, we will fight the system. <laughs> no, absolutely. I totally believe that, though. And And I think after the pandemic, this is a lesson that, like, maybe our generation and we as a society can take away from this otherwise terrible time. Yeah. And speaking of quarantine, uh, maybe this is a good time to note that Karina and I are recording this season from home. Obviously, studios are closed. Ryerson, where we normally record, is closed. Yep. We're sitting in our bedroom closets, sweating. <laughs> <laughs> and we're both living and working from, you know, our <laughs> apartments. Yep. And trying to find ways to separate life from work, as this episode <laughs> implies. That's right. And where we live and where we work and where our show is recorded, as always, is on the traditional territories of many nations, including the Wendat, the Anishinaabe, Haudenosaunee, Métis, and the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation. Word Bomb is produced by me, Pippa Johnstone. And me, Karina Palmatesta. You can follow the show at Word Bomb Podcast on Instagram and at tvo.org slash wordbomb. Thank you to everyone at TVO who makes our show possible. And thank you for listening. <laughs>